the man who smelt so bad that they had to ground the flight, and then we'll revisit the resistance of light today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, this is Jason Carpenter. Um, well, this is Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm Jason Carpenter. A quick clarif- clarification, smelt. If somebody smelt so bad, is it actually smelled so bad? I'm not for sure. I'm not for sure. Uh, I'm barely holding on. I got a pretty bad sinus, some sinus stuff going on. It's funny because I have to listen back to the episodes. And I was like, oh, man, it sounds like I'm getting a cold. Like I could hear my voice getting a little more hoarse each episode. And then sure enough, I'm having full on sinus pressure today. But, you know, doing my thing. Um, taking medicine, sleeping, I'm fasting for it too, which, uh, you think would make me more miserable, but once you get used to fasting, it's, it's, it's pretty normal. Uh, heads up to my friend Veronica who went and bought me some medicine today. That was nice. While I was homebound. Um, I got, before we get started here, I, cause I know I'm always so succinct in my beginnings. Today I got my copy of Stephen King Shot John Lennon by Steve Lightfoot. I, I paid $10 for it, and I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'll put the link at the bottom below, this was easily worth $10. That is, there's no sarcasm in this whatsoever. One, he autographed it. I don't know if he does that for all of them, but he did put a message on here to Jason. Thanks for your vital concern, Steve Lightfoot. And like I said in the, in the uh, two episodes regarding Stephen King Shot John Lennon, I've been following this conspiracy theory for probably about two years now, and to be able to, to me, hold a piece of conspiracy history, it's, it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. Now, those two episodes, I think they're episodes five and six, what that, I, I think I'm going to, we're going to keep covering that conspiracy theory, but if you listen to those two episodes and you weren't a huge fan of it, blame it more on the format, not on the subject matter. I found the subject very fascinating, and I kind of did a dramatic reading of his writings. I don't really know how, now that the show has, you know, ten episodes later, I think the show's kind of found its tone a little more. So we're going to be revisiting that, but I don't, I'm not going to go over it today because I just got it, and I really want to read through it, but I'm, I'm telling you, it is, I am not disappointed. It looks amazing. Covers a lot of the same detail, but I'm going to say this. So, you know, like I said, I've been following it for two years, and his website's just kind of spiraled out. But the in this one, he actually has a uh, he has a back-to-back picture of Chapman and King, and they, they do kind of look alike. They do kind of look alike. It's kind of weird. So we're gonna probably handle that on Monday or, uh, or Tuesday because I got to read over that. I got to play practice a bunch of stuff too. Okay, let's go ahead and get started here. Because I got two really good stories, so I don't think uh, we need much introduction. This first story I saw was fascinating just because it's one of those situations. It's sad. I feel really bad for the guy. But it's one of those situations that I think we can all empathize with uh, kind of on both levels. So you're, uh, you're a passenger on a plane. And you get up in the plane, and the plane's flying now. Everyone's trapped on this plane. And you're sitting there, and you're reading your in-flight magazine, or you're, you know, playing, I don't know, what do people play on their phones? I don't know. Fortnite. 
whatever, you're a kid, I guess, in this scenario, but you, all of a sudden you start to smell something. Now, it's you can't really place it at first. It's not it's not body odor. Is it, it smell like raw sewage? No, no, no. It's worse than raw sewage. And you kind of look around, and like just the smell is feeling filling your nostrils. You can just feel it burning, burning your nose. And you kind of look around, and you notice other people. They seem to smell it too, because they're also kind of looking around the cabin, looking around the the plane. You can't figure it out. Everyone's kind of looking at each other, and the smell is getting worse and worse and worse. Now imagine the worst smell you can imagine. It's kind of hard because scent is such a different type of. Scent memory. We can remember like the physical reactions we have to smell, but it's hard to actually remember the smell itself. But you know, we have stuff like rotten eggs or poop or stuff like that. But no, this smell is worse than all of them because you're on this plane, you're up in the air, you're 30,000 feet in the air, and what you're smelling is rotting human flesh. You're smelling flesh rot off of a living person sitting four seats in front of you. It's overwhelming now. The air is just getting circulated. You have no escape. (laughs) You can't open a window. So you plug your nose at first. But that's no avail. People begin fashioning little masks for themselves and coughing, retching almost. Because the smell is just Filling the cabin. There's no way for the odor itself to escape. So it's only growing. As more and more flesh is rotting off of this guy. So passengers begin throwing up. Now that's not helping the smell either. So passengers are throwing up. The man profusely apologizes. And he feels bad that he's rotting. He's rotting in front of you. Pilot is smelling it too, and the pilot comes back and he he assesses the situation. You're you're still you're an eight year old boy in this scenario apparently, and you, so you put your phone down and you see the pilot and he's talking to the stewardesses and they 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 walk up to the man who looks normal. He looks a little sick, but because you know he's rotting away, but they didn't notice anything wrong with him. Kind of sounds like a zombie movie actually, but so they say well let's lock him in the bathroom maybe that will stop the smell like and then we can get to our destination and the guy's like yeah no fine i'm super sick i have no problem with that so he goes into the restroom and they lock him in there and it doesn't work the smell is just too overpowering it's still that it's just creeping out from underneath the bathroom the whole cabin's full of it they have to let they make an emergency landing so what happened was this guy Named Andre Shillin, Shillian, Shillian, 58 years old. He got an infection, and he what happened was he was suffering from tissue necrosis. His flesh was rotting on the plane. And we're going to go ahead and post the article here. Uh, people were fainting from the smell, and unfortunately, is that he's passed away now. They landed the plane, and he they tried to get him get him treatment, but it was too late. Too much of him had kind of rotted away. And um, it's weird. So this was his response. It's not after he died, obviously, but this was his after emergency landing. He wrote on Facebook, the tragic and comic component of this whole situation is that I caught a disease, which let's not say how and why makes a person quite stinky. As a result, a group of passengers may demand the captain for you to be removed from the plane. So I think it's weird that they don't really 
like he doesn't state what it is and i didn't see on the article what caused him to have that infection but <coughs> um they tried their best they did multiple surgeries couldn't stop it now this guy this um andre shulin to us or to me at least he's just a guy with an unfortunate accident apparently in russia he's like would be like their version of Jimi hendrix he was like a, a, a guitar god he was considered one of the top guitar players in Russia and was a pioneer of rock music in the Soviet Union. So that's tragic. And, you know, one of those things, smells are impossible really to get past. I, one of the I always have, ask questions of people. And if you have, if you're wondering, is this an act? Is Jason just, is this like a bit he's constantly doing for the show? Or does he actually act like this? I act like this all the time. It's it's not a bit. But I'll ask people, I'll go, this is one of my like thought experiments. I say, you meet a guy or a girl, whatever. You meet the person of your dreams and they're ex everything you wanted. Everything you wanted. If you want them to be rich, they're rich. If you want them to be successful, like a writer, that. If you want them to be like six, seven feet tall, whatever. But... His face is completely busted up. He's totally ugly, and you can't do any sort of uh, repairs to it. And people always go, well, how ugly are we talking? And I'm like, well, I mean, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, let's put him in, like, a 3 or a 4. So he's not like if you look at him, you want to vomit, but he's not good-looking by any means. And even you don't think he's good-looking, face-wise. Would you date him? And people generally go, yeah. Yeah, if everything else is perfect, if he's kind or funny or if he's a, you know, domineering or whatever, whatever you look for. And then I ask the same question. I go, what if he's everything you look for, everything, and he has a beautiful face or whatever type of face you want, but he smells like wet garbage? Would you date him? And most people, that, that gives them pause. We can look past physical differences. You can see someone and they're, everything's perfect about them but they have some, you know, like their face was burned off or something like that. And you could be like, I can make this work. But if they smell like wet garbage and again, you can't do anything to fix it, that changes the answer. Smells are super important to us. They're completely overriding and we can't really do anything to stop them. You can't put a bag over a smell. Now, here's a gross smell story that I have. And I've always, I'm sure there was some sort of scientific principle here. But I used to, when I had an apartment in Sacramento, I had these really nice neighbors. They were from another country, and they made, like, this super pungent food. And it actually smelled pretty good. And it was all, like, you know, rice and sauces and stuff like that. They were really good neighbors. And just around dinner time, you would smell the food through the walls of the apartment because, like I said, it was very pungent. But it wasn't, it wasn't offensive. I never really cared. Well, one day, I went to the bathroom... And it was super hot, so I had the door open. I was living by myself, but I, like, needed airflow in there. So I'm going to the bathroom, and they start cooking their food in the next apartment. And the smell of my poop and the smell of their food created a... I almost threw up. It created the most noxious smell I've ever smelled in my life. I couldn't even describe it to you. I couldn't even try to compare it to something. It smelled like a chemical weapon. It smelled like I was going to die. And I was trapped because I was still going to the bathroom. And I remember just going, uh, and I almost like, looking back on that, I imagine like the molecules, the two, the two smell molecules like binding together into a third 
un unheard of smell or unsmelled of smell. Like it only existed in that one moment of time. They had to be cooking that exact meal, and I had to be defecating at the same time. It was dis- disgusting. It was disgusting. And what's funny is that I could probably like I could probably recognize that smell, but I couldn't describe it to you. It was absolutely just awful. So I think that's probably my worst smell story. I don't think. Oh, you know, I did look this up the other day. So, you know, there's, I guess you know where I'm going with this. I don't know where I'm doing a lead-in, but, you know, there's speed of light, and there is speed of sound. The other day I thought, what's the speed of smell? What's the speed of touch and taste? And of course, you know, the internet wasn't the, the, you know, the greatest help on that, but I did find out that the speed of taste, there is a speed of taste they can measure, I couldn't really find anything on the speed of smell, but I have to think that the speed of touch is, has to be faster than the speed of light. Because you figure if I touch a hot stove, the signal has to travel from my fingertip all the way up to my brain and then all the way back down to my hand to move it away. And that is almost instantaneously because that you don't get burned. You're out, you know? And I think that the distances involved on... You may go, well, Jason, your fingertip to your brain and back is much shorter than, you know, from here to a light year out. However, I think it, relatively the distances are the same. I mean, my brain doesn't know. And, and there's, I'm going to try to find this article. I found a couple things about how your brain actually registers pain before you feel it and they can't figure out why. Like, technically you shouldn't. If you touch it, there should be a delay between the time you touch it. The signal going up to your brain and the signal coming back to your finger and you're removing it. But when we test it, it's far faster than it should be. So they can't really figure that out. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, I don't... Oh, speed of smell, speed of smell. So I'm thinking the same thing with the speed of smell. The speed of smell I, is probably faster than the speed of sound. Because you got to smell something. Like, not, I'm not talking about the little, like, wavy lines like you see in cartoons that reach my nose. Those are the speed of wind. But once it hits my nose, it has to go to my brain and then back to my nose. I don't know. And um, I guess that's probably as fast as the speed of taste. I'm going to say both of those are stronger, faster than the speed of sound. And I also think speed of sound is stronger than the speed of light because I can shut a door and light can't pass through it. Oh, no, no, no. Sound is stronger than light is what I'm saying. Because if I shut a door, there's no more light. But you can shut 10 doors and still hear music. So light is faster, but sound is stronger, which makes me think we shouldn't be trying to build laser guns. We should be building like big sound guns and just like knocking stuff out of the sky with sound. That would be the noisiest war ever, though, if you think about it. Did you know bombs have whistles on them? That's what I heard when I was a kid. I probably heard it from that same encyclopedia that told me. Uh, whales live to be 500 years but apparently bombs have whistles on them so when they fall they go that that they normally don't do that like if you just drop to metal out of a plane but you put a whistle on the end of the bomb and so the wind blows through it so it makes everyone scared and look up and it's like traumatizing i probably should google i should probably google a lot of stuff oh and i did google can a mountain be tall enough to reach the atmosphere the other day when i was editing that episode and like 10 articles came up so that's ridiculous. I said, oh, I can't find it. And then I Googled it and it's all over the front page. Anyways, so now we're going to get to what I think is becoming, if Steve Lightfoot 
if Steve Lightfoot, the architect behind who shot John Lennon, is becoming almost like the anti-hero of this podcast, where he's he's uh, he's a mystery, then I'm starting to think that the resistance of light may actually become our mini boss. Because I was look, I was listening back to that episode earlier today. And I'm like, these guys are so ridiculous. The resistance of light is so ridiculous. I need to look into these guys a little bit more. They're the ones who had like the three sectors, and um, I'll have. To, I think they were on um, No Place Like Space episode. I think they're on episode eight. But anyway, so I went and did did some more digging into them, and they're just absolutely ridiculous. So first off, I did was looking at some of the stuff that they sell, and they sell like tachyon water, water that's been bombarded with tachyons. It's thirty six bucks for like a leader and they sell tacky on protectors for your phone you can buy little gems all that stuff and i'm like okay you know what you can say hey listen i got this water and i bombarded it with some science stuff and you don't know if i did but you know trust me i have you has a resistance of light ever lied to you and you're like i guess not you pay 36 bucks for the water but one thing i also came across was the Sintomine stones Sintomine stones so there are these little these little rocks, and they say that around 30,000 kilograms of diamonds are mined around the world each year, whereas only 50 kilograms of Sintanami stone are found yearly. Well, that might be true, but probably because no one's looking for it like they're looking for diamonds. But anyway, so these little rocks, um, which is what they are, it says, I'm just going to call them Sin Stones. Sin Stones is the stone with the highest vibration of all stones known. I Okay, source, source needed. But it awakens you to your mission, strengthens your inner guidance and contact with your higher self, and dissolves implants and outdated belief systems. So I guess basically you hold it. Oh, and these ones have been tachyonized as well. Anyways, you hold it and your implants will fall out, which if you are a porn star, is probably not a good idea. These little rocks, and that's what they are, for a 4 to 7 gram rock, 50 euros. So what is that, like 60 US dollars? And then it goes up 50 euros, 60 euros. If for a gem-grade stone, whatever that means, it's polished. They probably threw through a 5th grader's rock tumbler, 100 euros. And if you want a gem-grade stone that's 7 to 12 grams, it's 200 euros. So there you go. These people are totally ripping people off. It does appear that they have a lot, a big following in Asia, which the website boasts, like I was looking at their web counter, and I'll put the link into the description, but they say they've had 42 million hits, which is possible. I mean, scams do get to be very popular. They currently have a... A petition now. Now, this is a group that's talking about global enlightenment. And so I saw that they had a... They were raising money for an African village or a kid or something like that. And so they're for global enlightenment. And they're for, like, helping out other peoples and selling rocks they find and stuff like that. So they have a petition. And so here's the question. You think, okay, so what's this petition about? Is it about, like, end world hunger? Is it about, you know, save the endangered African panda, rhino, whatever? No. It's for planetary liberta- liberation now. So you sign this petition and you're, you are basically, it says, we are all aware that there are forces within the banking establishment, military industrial complex, and also on the non-physical planes that do not wish humanity to be free. They have stolen our money. They have poisoned our food. They are trying to take away our freedom. They are trying to take away our happiness. We will not let them. So I don't know how the people in the non-physical plane are going to see this 
petition. Like, are there, like, ethereal ghosts floating in the void and being like, oh, have you checked out their web page, their web presence lately? Anyways, so they're trying to get 144,000 people to sign this because that's the biblical number in the book of Revelation. They have 25,000 people have already signed it, or 26,000, close enough. And what's funny is that they've stolen our money, they've poisoned our food, and then they say they are trying to take away our freedom. If these dark ones are so powerful, why haven't they already done it? That's always the big question. If the Illuminati are so powerful, why haven't they made their move yet? I I do believe they're private groups trying to control parts of the public sector. I do believe that. But I think the fact that we're still freer than we're supposed to be under their rule is a sign that they're not doing things right. And the same thing with these these non-physical plane creatures um they've stolen my money and they've poisoned my food but they're trying to take away my happiness they haven't got there yet that's pretty that's pretty bad on you ghost overlord so i found this and i thought this was awesome so anyways it's awesome and it's sad at the same time okay so i saw this and this is their entry protocols for the underground resistance which again we talked about earlier now this is both hilarious and sad first off the website that we're going to for this is 2012portal.blogspot.com now one if you don't care enough about your idea to register a domain name for 14.99 a year through godaddy it's probably not that important to you really secondly if you're talking about the planet being libertated now, and these are all this is all recent stuff. If you're talking about the planet being libertated, liberated now, and you're t- any day now, the Pleiadians are going to show up, and we're going to need you to fight the Dark Ones, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. Why is your website called 2012? That's six years ago. And here's the thing: if they would bought a domain name and they had linked it to this, I never would have known. But th- this is what they're calling themselves: 2012. Ridiculous. The Ascension passed, dude. You got left behind like the rest of us. So, apparently a a dream has gone out to the people. This dream has gone out to people who are not yet in the resistance of light, but are being called up. It's their destiny. You're a loser in your real life. You got nothing going on. Don't worry. Because there's a super secret fantasy war coming up, and you too can be a part of it. If only you follow us. Then you'll know your true mission in life and everyone who was ever mean to you. Oh, they'll be like, you know what, Jason? Jason was the hero. He's the one who fought those space ghosts in the Battle of Hood River. Because he had that dream and he followed the entry protocols. This is this is the this is what they sell to Golova people. Anyways, so this is here it goes. If you if you are selected for pre-event entry into the resistance, the entry protocols are as follows. Step one: you will be physically contacted by a resistance agent very near to the place where you live. <laughs> so I mean, I, he will he or she will be wearing plain civilian clothes and will emanate very positive energy. He she will introduce herself himself. Okay, that's going to get annoying. Uh, he will introduce himself to you and ask you if you are willing to enter the resistance. It will be explained to you after entering the, re- entering the resistance, you will not be able to have any physical contact with the service population. So let's let's unpack that for a second. You're walking down the street. Somebody walks up to you <clears throat> in normal clothing who just seems to be really happy and they're going to say, Hi, I'm Jason. 
Would you like to join the resistance? And your answer, if yes, you disappear. You will no longer have physical contact with the surface population. If you say yes, you basically go missing and become a missing person. That is step one. Step two clarifies that because it says, you will be given between 5 and 15 minutes to collect your personal items to bring with you. You will be asked to bring objects of personal emotional value, wedding rings. Why would you have more than one wedding ring? Uh, Photos of loved ones, etc. Because all other objects, clothing, food, gold, cash, ID documents, can be easily reproduced with replicators. You will be given a small bag and all your items will need to fit in that bag. Size and weight requirements will be very similar to requirements astronauts have had for their personal items on a space shuttle. Now, what's funny is that then they imp- include a link to how much weight a astronaut can carry on a space shuttle. So, I, I, again, people buy into this nonsense, and I'm sure people reading this started carrying around photos of their loved ones and their wedding rings, plural, And they're like, well, this is what I'll take with me because this is what... Who clicked on the link to find out how much an astronaut can carry? And why? A space shuttle. Why Do we even have space shuttles anymore? I think they got rid of them. Anyways, why 5 to 15 minutes? What if I'm not by my house? It says it'll be near the location I live, but what if I'm in the middle of Eaton Subway? And this guy comes in and says, are you ready to join the resistance? And I'm like, yeah, sure, but I'm only like... Two inches into this foot-long sub. And I can't finish this in 15 minutes. And I got a pocket full of wedding rings. I got like eight of them because I own a pawn shop. Anyways, step three. The resistant agent will escort you to the entry point into the resistance. This will usually be a service door in the cellar or a basement inside a commercial building close to home. They're going to murder you. They're telling you. Follow me, no one will ever see you again. Just walk into the basement, please. Then it says, uh, there there he... And it's weird, because then they dropped the whole he-she thing about halfway through this, because even they really got tired of it. There he, will, uh, there he will guide you to descend a set of stairs that will lead you 30 meters or yards. Uh, it says both. Underground to the topmost level of resistance, the stairs will look somewhat like this. And it's just a picture of a manhole disappearing into the darkness. It's like a creepy ladder. And I'm like... I. Hey, man, I'm totally on board with fighting the Dark Ones. I also hate non-physical entities coming into our plane. But I'm not crawling down that. I'm not crawling down that. So, but they want you to. So you go down there and it says step four. When you reach the resistance level, you will approach a high-tech door that will lead into a structure that looks somewhat like a shower cabin. And then they have a picture from a video game. To show you what the resistance is going to look like. It's it's from a video game. So I crawl. I meet a stranger that I've never met before. Dressed like a normal person. Asks me if I wanted to join the resistance. Gives me five minutes. Can't talk to anybody. He takes me to the basement. Has me crawl into the sewers. And get into a shower cabin. Now it's stereotypical to say. You can't make this up. This is, le- this, this is what these people legit believe. Because we're going to get to the comments soon. You think I'm just, you know, taking the piss out of this website. The comments are heartbreaking. At this point, the agent will ask you the last time if you're willing to enter the resistance. If you refuse, you will be brought back up to the surface and never be contacted again. I mean, dude, ask me that before I climb 30 meters down a ladder. 
Like it just or before I go into your crazy murder basement. If you accept, the agent will leave will leave you alone and you will enter through the high tech door by yourself. You will be asked to take off all your clothes. <laughs> Wait a second. If he's if I'm by myself, who's asking me to take off my clothes? It's just like a voice in the dark. Take off your clothes. It's a voice in the dark sewer while I'm standing in the shower cabin. You'll be asked to take off all your clothes and leave the bag with your personal belongings in a special tray. Then you'll be asked to enter the shower cabin where you will be disinfected from all nanotechnologies. All nanotechnology and from most viruses and bacteria. Why not all those too? Why not all the viruses? Question five, you'll exit the shower cabin on the other... You'll exit from the other side of the shower cabin into the resistance proper, refreshed and disinfected. At this point, you will feel much better with bursts of inner joy and will feel very alive and full of energy. You'll get a new set of clothing. Let's see if there's anything else here. Um, a doctor shows up. They'll give a... They'll cure you of any possible diseases. You'll be given your own room and there's like a detox, detox process and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so there, now you know how to get into the resistance. Um, step nine, last step is um, after you accept it, after you are accepted in the resistance, you will not be able to go to the surface, contact the surface population or even use the surface internet slash cell phone network. Except in extremely rare cases that will be directly related to your mission, you will only be able to make direct contact with surface human population after the event. Victory to the light! So, here's the thing. Again, I'm reading this. This is nonsense. I think it's a money-making scam. You're listening to this. I'm hoping that you're on the same page. Or at least you just think it's gullible or made up. And I, I, I obviously it's made up. But there are so many people whose lives are so empty to them and they feel so directionless and meaningless to them that they buy into this. They buy into it hook, line, and sinker. And that's one thing I've seen in the conspiracy theory world. I've, it comes across all the time. People have dedicated their lives to fighting the Illuminati and, and they, they feel like that is their goal. That's why they were put on this earth because otherwise they have to realize they're just an accountant or they're just a teacher, or they're just some unemployed kid, you know, or they're stuck in a bad marriage, whatever it is, whatever it is, these things give people meaning and purpose. And it's the one thing that everyone is lacking, or thinks they're lacking in life, is that direction. So instead of just being a nobody who everyone just walks past, because everyone wants to be someone, everybody wants to be famous, that's that, um, I like that song by, uh, who's that band? How can I not remember them? They're like one of my favorite bands. Big Time Rush, Big Time Rush. You want to be famous. But anyway, so that's besides the point. So, you know, people don't want to be nobody. They want to be somebody. And not everyone has the skills, the talent, the drive to become somebody or the luck to become, quote unquote, somebody big. So they buy into this nonsense. Now, again, you're thinking, okay, that's all nonsense. Here, let's look at some of the some of the comments here on this. Okay, here's a couple of the first ones. I'm ready to be part of the resistance. I would gladly give my life to make the event happen quicker. The event is the coming war between the Dark Ones and the Pleiadians and the Agarthians and these lunatics. Um, here's another one. Assuming if I was selected... I would join the resistance movement if my mom was financially taken care of during my mission. She can't make it on her own without me financially because she is elderly. 
That's sad. Here's this guy who believes this, like, but what's holding him back is like, but, you know, if I join the resistance and I fight for the world and I fight for the resistance of light, who's going to take care of my elderly mom? I'm the only one supporting her. That's his dilemma. Absolutely terrible. Let's see. Let's find another one. Okay, here's one. It's definitely a great opportunity. I guess it's like someone has to choose to just disappear within 15 minutes. I wonder how the family members, friends, co-workers would react and call the police. I'd be okay with it if everyone on the surface would simply forget about me, but they won't. Someone disappearing could be traumatizing for close ones. Just saying, that's not positive energy. I hope no one gets kidnapped by fake agents either. That's, that's, or real agents. Um, anyways, I'll keep training as usual, he goes on to say. Or she. So, these people actually believe it. Um, and they're, like, trying to figure out, like, oh, how would I balance, you know, the realism of me wanting to fight this, uh, fight this war with having to say, you know, say goodbye to people or just disappearing. And I think this is probably the most harsh, heartbreaking comment. It's in all caps, but I'm not going to yell it at you. Cobra is the author of the article. So they're going to start off by saying, hello, Cobra. I am following you since 2013. Five years waiting for the event. I live in Venezuela. Ugh, it's not good. I would like to go with the resistance, but I have two children. Two children, five cats that are my children, and only the death will separate me from my cats. Not her kids? Okay. Um, cannot disappear in 15 minutes. This does not make sense. One, how to know that the agents are of the resistance? That's a good question. Question number two, they would have to notify us about 15 days before to promote our family. I have to carry at least three of my cat, the most in, in defense. Three, how our family is going to know if we are okay if we do not communication with them. We need a lot of information and new protocols. Victory to the light. So here's this poor woman who's been following this nonsense for five years, religiously. And she reads this, and her heart breaks. And she's like, what about my kids? What about my cats? How am I going to help? I, this is the one thing I believe in. This is the reason why I was put on this planet, was to help the resistance. And now I have to say goodbye to everybody? And you can just imagine her like, being concerned about this, pouring over this, the fact that she has to send this email out, and then she decides to choose from her cats. Like, imagine imagine somebody who's so torn mentally from all this nonsense, at one night staying up thinking, how many cats can I take, and how many will I leave for the Dark Overlord? Now, to us, that's funny. That's a funny suggestion. But to her, that that was a real problem she had to face. And all of these people here are really like, how will I do this? Like, oh no, if I leave tomorrow, how's my mom going to take care of herself? I really want to join the resistance. This is why I was put on this world. These people are disgusting. And I cover a lot of disgusting people. And no, these people aren't on the level of some of the people we've covered. But this is gross. You're taking advantage of people and you're selling them rocks for a hundred bucks. And you know that they're selling you know that they're selling. If this group is really getting 42 million hits in the past, you know, six years on their website, someone's buying these stupid rocks and their stupid water and all of that stuff. They're taking advantage of people and they're selling fan fiction as if it's real. And while they're simply, they may go, well, I'm just getting money from them. 
Some of them may actually believe this at the top. But, you know, they're like, well, what's the harm? I'm just getting money from them. People are staying up late at night worried about which cats they get to take into the resistance and which cats get left behind to be destroyed. It's, that's horrible. You're tricking people and you're emotionally manipulating people for what? For monetary gain. It's awful. These, I, this website goes on and on and on and on and on. And this may just be the beginning of me looking into this group. They may decide to to use their light lasers and positive energy to come after me. And all of a sudden I begin getting harassed. Oh, wait, no, no. Actually, I would to them, I would be on the side of the Space Ghost Army. They The Space Ghosts would protect me from these people. I would be basically in league with the Dark Ones, according to them. Maybe I am. Highly unlikely. I don't think Dark Ones suffer from sinus pain. But, I mean, this is ridiculous. And honestly, I'll tell you this too, guys. This is the tip of the iceberg, not just in relation to this group. But there are other cons- groups like this that are selling this bill of goods to young men and women. And old men and women, too. Yeah, these they're just taking advantage of these poor people. And I I find that despicable. But, on the other hand, I'm getting a lot of fun taking the piss out of them. And I'm going to continue to take the piss out of them and groups like this. As, as long as people can can laugh with me and, and through making fun of these people and laughing at them, we can start to break away at this, at this hold. That is your mission. You were chosen by the Rabbit League. You, and only you, can help me take on the resistance of light. That was why you were put here. That is why you listen to this podcast in the first place. You and me, we are chosen. That is why you are here. That is why you were born on this world, to help the Rabbit League fight the resistance of light. Are you ready? I'm going to come to your house, and I will lure you into a basement of a place you've never been before and have you take your clothes off, and only then will I know for sure you're ready to join the Rabbit League. Send me $100 for a rock. My name is Jason Carpenter. This has been Dead Rabbit Radio.